Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hebrews 2. We're going to read verses 1 through 4 again. Hebrews 2, verses 1 through 4. When you get there, say amen. amen. Okay, you get there, you'll find these words. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him, God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. All right, so we're talking tonight again on the subject of don't neglect your salvation. Thank you, Father, tonight for the word, and I pray, Father, that your people have ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to receive that which you speak. Give me clarity of thought and clarity of speech, and I pray, Father, that, Lord, Lord your anointing will sit on this word. Your anointing will sit on us, O oh God, and that, God, you'll produce in us exactly what you send this word to produce, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, take your seats tonight. We're, so we talked Sunday talking about how, you know, that euphoric uh, feeling when you first get something or first uh, start something brand new, right? And, uh, you know, we can talk about, uh, we talked about things you receive, like a, a house or a car or a new job and how, how you were very uh, diligent about those things. But, you know, there are also times when you're starting something new. Remember when, when you started your, your last exercise program, how diligent you were? You know, you first started out, you went, went out and bought all new outfits because you were going to exercise. Bought new shoes because you were going to exercise. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this thing here. Bought some running shoes and spent a lot of money because I got to have the nice ones. And, uh, you, you know, then it, it, it waned. Oh, you started a new, you know, eating, you know, regiment, you know, new diet plan. And, you know, you, you bought a journal so you could journal what you ate. You count your calories and you even did meal prep. You planned your meals. Oh, none of y'all remember that, anything like that. Okay. How diligent you were about that. Or remember when you started that class? You excited, you went and bought new notebooks and highlighters and pens and 3M stickers and you were so excited about starting this new class. I'm talking about y'all Bible class people. I started a new class and you were diligent. Well, I'm going to do my lesson, I'm going to do my lesson. Then, then it, the newness just kind of wore off and now you don't know when you're going to finish the thing. Or, or your, your new financial plan you started. Maybe it wasn't to get out of debt yet, but maybe it was, I'm just, I'm going to save $1,000 this year. You know, that's, that's a big money to people. Some people never saved $1,000. I'm going to save $1,000 this year. And you start out, you, get, you got your little journal, and I'm going to use my little, you know, computer. I'm going to keep a record of what I spend, and, you know, I'm budgeting and everything. And then, you know, it just kind of wanes off. Because the newness wears off. When the newness wears off, you kind of resort back to your old habits, your old way of doing things. And you and I have to keep, the challenge is to, is to keep a constant uh, fire about what we're doing. 
Sister Gloria Copeland said this years ago. She made this statement, and I got to say it slowly so you understand it. She made this statement. In consistency lies the power. Two different words. In, the word in, I-N. Consistency lies the power. So to rephrase it, the power lies in consistency. The power lies in being consistent with something. Staying with something. Building momentum, growing, developing in it, and just not letting things uh, wane so easily. You understand that? Yes, sir. I was laughing at myself today. I, I was on my way home, and uh, I, I stopped and gassed the car up and uh, washed it and all that kind of good stuff. And, you know, I told you all a couple years back, I first started going to the car wash, and like, so like every time I, I go, I find money on the ground. And the Lord had told me years back when I found money to pick it up. And he never told me to stop. It'll be okay if he tells me to stop. I'll be okay. Because it's not really, you know, it's kind of embarrassing picking up little pennies and nickels and dimes and stuff like that. Especially when you're in a crowded airport. <laughs> but God told me that when we were broke. He said, pick up everything you saw. And I was like, okay, all right, I'll do it. And so I never stopped. Now, we've been out of debt now almost five years, but I never stopped. Because he didn't tell me to stop. I'd like him to tell me to stop, but he didn't tell me to stop. So today, I saw there was, there was a one dime as soon as I got out of the car, and I kind of, you know, <laughs> got the dime put in my pocket. And then I dropped it again. I'm like, oh, that was, I was, that was fun. I was nervous. So I, I dropped it, and oh, like, oh, Lord. So I had to go find the, other, find the dime again. And then I, after I got down and I looked behind me and there was a manhole cover like right behind my car and it was full of water. But there was something shiny in that manhole cover. It was another dime. Lord of mercy. So I got to go back there and play it off. <laughs> you know? but, but my point is you can't let that fire die. When you start doing something, you want to keep doing it. The Bible says that you and I are supposed to be walking in the newness of life. Remember I gave you that the other day in Romans, I think it's Romans 6, 4, in the Amplified Classic. In the Amplified Classic, when it's, you know, we see walking in the newness of life, but it says to walk that we too habitually live. We too might habitually live and behave in the newness of life. So in other words, these habits that you and I are supposed to form in this, this newness of life we're not supposed to retreat from those habits. We're supposed to continue good habits. People say, well, but you go to church without a habit. Yes. Yes. Make a habit of going to church. Consistency. <laughs> right. That's right. Make oh, you you just praying out of habit. Yes. That's how you gotta start. Okay, put up uh, Psalm 37, verse 4. Y'all know Psalm 37, verse 4? Delight yourself also in the Lord. He shall give you the desires of your heart. Right? But go to verse 5. Go to verse 5. I'm just in the notes. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him. He shall bring it to pass. So verse 4 talks about delighting like I, I enjoy this. Verse 5 talks about a commitment. It's a habit. You start these things and you just stay on these things all the time. And you don't keep backing off of those things. So, you know, for most of us, uh, 
things start out as habits and they turn into delight. Right? That's the way you're going to get there. You're not going to delight in prayer if you don't make a habit of prayer. You're not going to delight in the word if you don't have made a habit of reading the word. Amen? So as you and I develop these good habits, there are good habits. We can break bad habits, but there are some good habits that you and I need to have that if we stay consistent with those, we'll have some power. Amen? So we got to make sure that whatever we're doing, we're staying with. I told you the story Sunday about uh, my dad years ago. I was in about the eighth grade, ninth grade, and my dad bought me this shiny brand new trumpet. And how, uh, you know, it didn't even dawn on me until I was praying on this the other, uh, this past Friday. You know, I don't even, it didn't even dawn on me what that cost my dad. I don't mean like what, what, what dollar amount he spent, but what did he have to give up? What did my dad have to give up? That's what kids, kids never think about that, do they? They ask their parents for something. The kids never think about what their parents have to give up. <laughs> you know? Now, God will get us to the point where you don't have to give up anything. You can do and also. But many times when you're trying to take care of your kids, there are things that you for yourself give up. Any real parents in here? Any real parent knows what I'm talking about. There are things that you give up for your children. And so you definitely don't want to see them take it and throw it all over the place and leave it out laying around and you kind of get frustrated if they don't hang the, shoe, hang the uh, clothes up and put the shoes away. And we used to get in trouble if we were on played in our church clothes or played in our school clothes. You better come inside and change those clothes. <laughs> Praise God. So, but my dad bought me that trumpet and I, it was just so special and precious. Again, like I said, when he uh, bought it, it was only a couple years later that he moved to heaven. My mom had already moved to heaven. He moved to heaven. And when he did, it was very precious to me because that my dad had given me that. But as I began to mature in my later teenage years, I got into other stuff that was more interesting than my trumpet. <laughs> and uh, I began to get very careless with my trumpet. And whereas I used to look shining all the time, I stopped shining it. I stopped oiling the, the valves and I'd leave it around and I'd, you know, I'd, I'd bang it. I wouldn't protect it. I'd bang it up against things. Drop it as, oh, it'll be all right. To the point eventually I damaged it and then ultimately I lost it. I don't know, don't know where it is to this day. And when I was praying Friday, the Lord brought that back to my remembrance. In other words, don't don't do with salvation what you did with that trumpet. It's a precious gift. And most times in the body of Christ, we kind of, when I say we, I'm talking about body of Christ universal, kind of forget or diminish the value of our salvation. In other words, don't really recognize the awesome price that was paid for our salvation. Because it's free. It's a free gift. But we don't understand that free gift cost Jesus everything. It cost him everything, D. So when you begin to really talk about how much it costs, I remember Apostle Derber talked about, and he talks about this sometimes, about when he wrote uh, the good book. I don't know if you ever heard the good book. He did a translation of the New Testament and some part, part of the Old Testament too. But he did a translation based on his understanding of the Greek and so forth. And he talked about how hard it was to read through and write 
from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Because in, those, in each of those Gospels, you see the story of Jesus' passion. Passion meaning the time when he, he's first betrayed to the time he went to the cross and down into hell and got up again from the grave. Any of y'all have ever seen the movie, The Passion of the Christ? Or see anything depicting what Jesus Christ went through? It just, if you're really uh, saved, it just, just makes you shudder like, Lord, you went through that for me? I, I can't just go and start doing what I want to do. You went through all that for me? You gave yourself? You let them pluck out your beard? You let them put a crown of thorns on your head? You let them pierce you in the side? You let them nail your hands? You let them whip you on your back? You let them punch you over and over? You let them do all that and never said a mumbling word? I mean, I couldn't imagine going through that for anybody. But Jesus went through all, I mean, the worst possible torture you could imagine, he went through all that for us. And when we realized that, we realized, wait a minute, my salvation was free to me, but it cost him everything. And I don't want to ever diminish, devalue this gift that I have called salvation. It's, it's powerful. And so when you see that, you say, God, I, I, can't, I can't ever mess this up. <laughs> it costs too much. And I appreciate. We just sing the song, oh, sometimes it causes me to tremble. Tremble, tremble. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Remember that? We just sing that around Resurrection Sunday. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Right? Oh, sometimes it causes me to tremble, tremble, tremble. See, if it, when you really think about it, Barry, it just, wow. What did it cost for me to be saved? What did it cost for me to have eternal life? What did it cost for me to be free? Your testimony cost Jesus something. It's more than just a Jesus changed my life shirt. It's, this, that shirt cost something. Y'all not hear what I'm saying. That shirt costs, I don't mean the $20 you spent. I'm talking about it costs you just everything for you and me to even have that testimony. Yes. And when you realize that, you become so grateful, so very thankful. And then you become so very uh, protective of that gift. I've got to protect this salvation. I want to walk in a way that pleases you. I want my life to glorify you, Father. God, I want to, I want to, I know I don't owe you anything. Because it's not a debt. But I freely give everything because you gave everything for me. Put up, put up 1 John 3.16. 
Put up, uh, we know we all know John 3 16, right? For God so loved the word and gave his only begotten Son, who believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. But put up 1 John 3 16. By this we know love because he laid on his life for us. And we also, see, we don't own anything, but here's what we ought to do. Tell your neighbor, this is what you ought to do. You, yeah, you don't owe him anything. It's no debt, but at least, this is what we ought to do. This is the least we can do. Is lay down our lives for the brethren. See? He laid down his life for us. So then we lay down our lives for others. When you appreciate what he's done for you, you don't mind sacrificing yourself for somebody else. That's why, thank you, Holy Ghost. That's why when you read in the New Testament about how Peter and John were in prison for preaching the gospel, how they were beaten for preaching the gospel. And the Bible says that when they were beaten and they let them go, they walked out saying, we're thankful. We're good. Oh, wow. We're glad we were even counted worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus. I wish I had somebody here who understood. We're thankful. Oh, beat us. Thank you. That's great. Thank you. Beat us again. We're thankful that we were kind of worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus. Because you can beat us all day long, but it will not compare to what our Savior went through for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. So we got to appreciate this salvation. So we're talking about here about not neglecting your salvation. So go over to Hebrews 2, please. Hebrews 2, let me speed up quite a bit. Hebrews 2 and verse 1. My Bible says uh, right above it, do not neglect salvation. That's where I got my title from. I don't, I don't have to come up with fancy titles. I just <laughs> take what the Bible says. Amen. Modern preachers got to come up with a fancy title that's going to be catchy on YouTube so they can get clicks. But I just want to say, no, do not neglect salvation. Just, <laughs> amen. Let's just say what the Bible says, at least what the publishers here say. Amen. It says, therefore, we must give the more and heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. And remember, I talked about, on, about that on Sunday that we saw two issues here, or we saw one issue rather here in this verse, that there's a threat, there's a danger of drifting away. Do you understand that? You can walk with God, but if you're not careful, you can drift away. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Let me just say this while it's in my mind. When you drift on, on the water, there are no, there are no uh, stop signs there are no lanes, there's no uh, exit ramps, and there's no uh, signs overhead pointing to where you need to go. They, what, what a person on the water does, this, unless they have some satellite communication, is they use landmarks. They use landmarks. When you're out on the water, they reference what's on land. If you ever gone on, on a, anybody ever gone on the water on a, on a boat, you know, deep sea fishing especially, you go out of, you know, a few hours, you, 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 look, you look for a spot on the land because, you know, that, that building, that hotel or that tower is not moving. It's fixed. So you know 
how far you are or you know what direction you need to go back in because you have that landmark. That's why the Bible says, do not remove the ancient landmarks which our fathers have set. So for us, the word of God, the truth of God's word must be the landmark. That's why the devil is working so diligently to get people in the body of Christ to discredit the Bible. Because if, you can, if he can get people to discredit the Bible, they won't believe the Bible, then at that point they have no landmark. So when they're drifting, they don't realize they've drifted. Y'all, listen to me. You don't realize you've drifted because you, there's no landmark to relate to. So if we make the word of God uh, fallible now, because we believe the word of God is infallible, meaning, meaning there, there are no failures in it. There are no mistakes in the Bible. God's word is perfect. But if the devil can infuse people in the body of Christ with the idea, the notion that there are, there are uh, uh, mistakes in the Bible, that it doesn't agree, that there, some things don't apply to us and things like that, then what he does, what he's doing is he's removing the landmark. So we start questioning everything. And then when you're drifting, you don't know you're drifting. You think you're sitting there in place. But you're off course. You're six miles offshore and don't realize you're six miles offshore because you're not, you don't have that landmark there. Are you following what I'm saying to you? So God has given us his word as, a, as the landmark. Hallelujah. Now, so he says here in Hebrews 2, 1 again, therefore we must give the morning seed to the things that we have heard lest we drift away. So there's a danger for, because he's talking to believers, right? The book of Hebrews is writ, written to Hebrew Christians. Jewish Christians. So he's telling Christians, be careful that you don't drift away. So that means it must be possible for Christians to drift away. Now let me just ask any, any of y'all in here, how many of y'all ever drifted before? Tell the truth. Okay, okay, all right, good. I'm in the right house. We've drifted before. I didn't say you backslid. I didn't say you turned back on God, but you noticed you were drifting. You're like, oh, wait, okay, I'm not, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. And we'd have something back in the old days called revivals. Remember revivals? And the whole point of, of the revival was to get the church. Okay, hey, hey, stir yourself back up again. Amen? Because if you're not, if you don't have your motor running, you're drifting. And it's very easy to put your Christian life on cruise control. Put your Christian life on idle. And when you idle, your motor's not moving, you will drift with the waves. So we had to have these revivals come along. Somebody come along, evangelists come along, get us all stirred up, hot again. All right, praise God. Now, growing up my church, we had revival every Sunday night. They call Sunday night evangelistic service. I'm serious. My church is Sunday. Girls, remember that? We grew up on that Sunday night evangelistic service. So you might have, you might you might you might have even drifted between Sunday morning and Sunday night. <laughs> but by Sunday night, hey, get this thing back right because you got to go to work this week, go to school this week. Hey, get back on the good foot here with God. Hallelujah. God, bring back the Sunday night revival services, amen, to keep people of God on task. So there's a danger drifting away. And he says the precaution against drifting is what? 
It's to give, come on, you, did, were y'all here Sunday? It's to give more honest heed to the things you've heard. The thing that safeguards us from drifting is to pay more attention to what we've heard. So what happens if we don't pay much attention? Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Ghost. In the fourth chapter of um, Proverbs, thank you, Lord. Verse 20, my son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Do you see that? Thank you, Lord. All right, I don't want to get too much on that. My, my point to you in that is we have to give attention to God's word. And he says here in Hebrews 2.1, to protect from drifting away, he says, give more earnest heed. Now that, if you have a decent Bible, you'll have some kind of little notation on that verse 1. In my Bible, there's a little one above the word one, above, above the word the. Y'all have that? Some of you have that in your Bible? So my note, I look at the bottom, my bottom reference here, and it says, all the more careful attention. So we can substitute this by saying, therefore we must give all the more careful attention to the things we have heard. Do y'all have that? Yes. Nobody else sees that? Yes. Okay, somebody else sees, okay. Y'all have regular Bibles? Okay. Well, it just, it just depends on the publisher. It's, it just depends on what publisher you have, that's all. No problem. Your Bible's fine. But I just want you to make a note, a mental note then for yourself, that that phrase, what, what they do is they're giving us what the Greek meaning of that is. So that phrase, when it says give more, the more in his heed, it's talking about all the more careful attention. Remember we just read back in Proverbs 4 about give attention. But he says if you're going to keep from drifting away, you've got to give all the more attention even more attention. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So that you don't drift away. Y'all got that? Now, Hebrews 2.1 in the easy to read version, Hebrews 2.1 in the easy to read version says this, so we must be more careful to follow what we were taught. We must be careful so that we will not be pulled away from the true way. Pulled away from the true way. And that's what the devil's trying to do is pull people away from the true way. So there is a true way. Tell your neighbor, there's a true way. Okay, so he's trying to pull us away from that. So the way he does that is he's, he's a, a seducer. Right? So he won't come out boldly and tell you stuff like, Jesus Christ is not the son of God. He'll come with some little subtle thing. But remember the Bible says, and you read this this morning, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. This is Jaquetta did our teaching this morning in uh, prayer. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. And so he, he'll bring a little leaven, just a little bit of offness. And that's why, listen to me, ladies and gentlemen, that's why it's so critical that you and I study the word of God. Because 
if you and I don't know the word of God, I mean details, the devil can just take one little thing and twist it. That was the, you beat me to it. That's what, how, how he approached Eve. Has God said? And she came and said, God said we shouldn't touch it. God never told her not to touch it. Y'all remember that in Genesis chapter, chapter 2? Or chapter 3, rather? She said, oh, yeah, he said we can't touch it. God never said don't touch the tree. He said don't eat of it. They had to touch it. He said their job was to dress it and keep it. But because she wasn't clear on the instructions, clear on what his, his word said, she blew it. She was, she was, she was deceived. So the Bible says Eve was deceived. Adam was not, but Eve was deceived. That means Adam knew full well what he was doing. Okay? So Eve was deceived because she didn't know the word explicitly. Thank you, Lord. Y'all can take and do that with, with what you want to do with it. Okay? Now let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, please. 2 Timothy 3. Starting at verse 10. Because we're talking about giving more earnest heed. I'm going to get through a little bit of this tonight. 2 Timothy chapter 3. And uh, start at verse 10, please. Remember what we're talking about. Giving more earnest heed to the things you have heard. If you've been in this church, you have heard a lot of word. I said, if you've been in this church a while, you have heard a lot of word. Whether you listen to it or not, you've heard a lot of word. <laughs> Whether you and I have obeyed it or not, we've heard a lot of word. We may not even remember it all. In fact, we mostly don't remember all of the word we've heard. But that's okay. That's why we keep meditating on it. Amen? Because, you know, your spirit will, will hold on to what your mind will not, will not remember. Did you catch that? Your spirit, have y'all experienced that before? Your spirit will hold on to what your mind will let go of. Jesus said one of the ministries of the Holy Ghost is to bring back to your remembrance what I've told you. Now, how's he going to do that? He, he draws it up out of your spirit. So you'll get in a situation and like and you somebody's talking and you start ministering to them, something you say something to them, and you're like, dog, how did I even know that? Because you were in church one day and your spirit grabbed it. Or oh, you were reading the word of God and your spirit grabbed it, even if your mind didn't hold on to it. Isn't that beautiful? Y'all aren't as excited as I thought you ought to be. I'm talking about how God works with you with your spirit. He'll bring things up out of your spirit. Deep calls a deep. So the spirit, when you hear the word, which is spirit and life, goes down into your spirit. In fact, you don't want to leave it in your brain. That's why you meditate it. You meditate it to get to work it down. <laughs> you ever seen people do this little thing where they, they, they put a cookie on their chin or something or whatever, and they got to try to get, work that cookie down in there? You ever, you ever seen the people do that? None of, none of y'all? Okay. So that's what we got to do with the word. The word, we take that word that we heard, like the words you're hearing tonight, that's why we put it online, on YouTube, on SoundCloud, on Apple, on Roku, on everywhere, so you can go home, I can go home, and I can meditate that word to get it from up here down into here. Because up here, we'll forget it. But down here, it's locked in. 
And, and when I need it, the Holy Ghost is going to say, do, 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 do. he's going to dial it up. Here comes that word. Has that ever happened to anybody here? He's going to bring it up. Thank you, Holy Ghost. So we've heard a lot of word. Now watch what he says here in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 10. Hallelujah. He says, but you have carefully, now uh, above it, my Bible says the man of God and the word of God. But you have carefully followed, come on. What? What? My doctrine. Huh? Paul's kind of bold right there to say my doctrine. But he said you follow my teaching. That's what doctrine is, my teaching. You've carefully followed my teaching. Well, I'm going to follow Jesus' teaching. Paul was teaching what Jesus was teaching. Paul wasn't teaching his own stuff. He was teaching what Jesus told him. This is my teaching. That's what God gave me a few years back. He gave me my teaching. When he taught me those four exchanges, I was, I was sitting right here. He gave me four exchanges. He'll teach you on this the rest of your life. I wrote them down in the middle of praise and worship. Boom, 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 boom. That's that whole little book, Four of the Most Wonderful Things. That's what's on the guest card. All that, everything I preach revolves around those four things. That's my doctrine. He gave me my lane. I don't teach eschatology. Pastor, you need to touch, teach more on the end time events, you know, and when the rapture going to be and all that. That ain't my lane. That ain't my doctrine. I can point you to somebody for that doctrine, but that ain't my doctrine. <laughs> Pastor, you need to teach more on angels and, and them, them giants that was here back in Genesis. That ain't my lane. If you want to set out giants and robots and all that kind of stuff, then you can, find, you can do all that. That ain't my lane. He gave me my doctrine. Glory to God. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life. Watch this. This is pretty big here. Manner of life. In other words, you've watched how I live openly in front of you. Purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happen to be at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra. What persecutions I endured. You saw what I went through. And out of them all, come on. The Lord deliver me. Yes, and let me tell you something. All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. You want to walk this way? Okay, I'm just letting you know ahead of time. It's going to be some stuff. Tell your name, it's going to be some stuff from time to time. People going to ask you, why you put that online? Why you posted that? Why you putting on makeup? That ain't none of your business why I'm putting on makeup. Okay, now watch. Here, here, here's, here's the nitty-gritty part of this here. Verse 13, but evil men and imposters. King James used the word seducers. Is that right, Deke? Evil men and seducers. Now, what does a seducer do? They seduce. They entice subtly to believe something. Evil men and seducers. I like how the King James puts it. Evil men and seducers, it says in the King James, will wax worse and worse. But we see here, will grow worse and worse. So they were around back in Paul's day. So if they're growing worse and worse, I want you to see. Imagine how evil and seductive these teachings and teachers are now. Remember how he started? But you have followed my doctrine. 
my man of life. You've seen me. Now what happens, the devil gets people all caught up on the cutest YouTube preacher. This is one guy, Marcus Rogers. Everybody like to follow Marcus Rogers. Y'all ever heard of him, this guy? Don't look him up. But he, he's, a, he's a cute guy. Everybody follows this prophetic cute guy. And follow all his teaching. And don't realize they're being seduced into modalism. Modalism, what's that, Pastor? It's teaching oneness of God as opposed to Trinity. That God is a triune God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. And he's teaching people that kind of modalism. But because he posts these videos of, oh, I had a dream and a vision last night. God told me something. Everybody getting all caught up in, they don't know anything about the life. Hallelujah. And, and many others besides him. Okay. Now, I'm not picking on him because notice what it says about these evil men and seducers. Deceived and being deceived. So they're not trying necessarily to deceive. They've been deceived. And as I heard my buddy Bill Winston say, the worst thing about being deceived is you don't know you're deceived. That's the worst about being deceived. You don't know you're deceived. Hallelujah. So you're looking at that, into that trick mirror and you look all skinny. <laughs> trick mirror have you looking like 36, 24, 36. And real life is the opposite. He says, verse 14, now watch this. But you must continue. Come on. In the things which you have what? Learned, come on, been assured of knowing. You know this person been in front of you all this time. You don't have to sit there waiting wait and wonder when the shoe's going to drop. He says, from whom you have learned them, verse 15, watch this, add this part here too. And that from childhood, you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is, which is in Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus. So he's saying here, you know who you're listening to, you know that word, but you also know the scriptures you've been reading since you have been a baby. So he says, when all this newfangled theology comes along, when all this newfangled teaching, all this enlightenment teaching comes along, don't abandon what you've known Chasing after this unknown, ooh, they said it. Doc, they said it. What did they say? It was all kind of words, talking all fast. This one preacher, boy, he got a big old following. He talks all fast, all these deep, deep, deep words. I mean, you need a, you need a, 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 a thesaurus out there. But it's so deep and wonderful. Says it so fast. Like, how's your brain even keep up with what he's saying? Like, slow down, Rob. What are you saying, dog? What, what? But because it sounds so deep and wonderful. Ooh. Ooh. And he'll have people way off. Boys, praise the Lord. Somebody say amen. amen. 
So he's saying, continue the things which you have heard. Continue in the things, verse 14, which you have learned and been assured of. Continue in the Holy Scriptures that, you, that you, you've known from a child. Tell your neighbor, stay with the word. Okay, go back to Hebrews, Hebrews 2. Because I want to get you to do a few of these real quick. Hebrews 2. Now, remember the point he, he made here in verse 1, Hebrews 2, verse 1. He's trying to prevent drifting. He's doing these things or saying these things that will prevent us from drifting. Okay? Then he goes on in verse 2. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward. Now, you see that? If the word spoken through angels, even when angels spoke, the word was steadfast. The word was settled. And every transgression and disobedience, when you disobeyed angels, or the word that God sent through angels, people got a just reward. Meaning, they got the due punishment. In fact, switch over to the um, Amplified Classic on this verse here for me, please. Let's see if it spells it out a little more for us. Read it with me. Ready? Read. The message given through angels, the law, uh huh, and so notice. The law of Moses that was given through angels, the Bible says, when people disobeyed that word, they got the appropriate penalty. There's a just reward. You break the law, and there's a reward for that. <laughs> reward is almost like a man, if this word don't make, don't make sense. But it means the, the appropriate uh, response. Okay? Cause and effect. You broke the law, here's the the effect that, that comes from that. And that was the word spoken through angels. Now let's go back to, to the King, New King James and read verse 3. How shall we escape? Remember this, this how verse 2 was like, hey, if this was this, this way with angels' words, verse 3, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation which at the first began to be spoken not by angels, come on, by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him. So now the word that came through Jesus Christ himself is greater than the word that's spoken through the angels. And when people brought the word that came from angels and got a, a recompense or reward or a punishment for that, how much more then? Oh, y'all not listening. How much more then if we disobey the word that came from Jesus Christ himself? Remember, he's trying to prevent drifting away. Because if you drift away, you drift into a place of punishment. No, no, we all saved now. There's no more punishment. Baby, let me tell you something. God is not going to allow. See, first of all, the Bible says, whom the Lord loves, he corrects. So if he loves you, and he does, and you and I get over into some mess, he's going to bring correction. The point of the correction is to get us back. 
You know, we like, like to read from Psalm 23, thy rod and thy staff shall comfort me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Okay, rod and the staff, is two reasons for rod and staff. The staff was used to hook the, uh, the neck of that sheep, that lamb, and pull it back. That staff was, bam! I had to poke your project, but sometimes I had to, bam! Man! Right? What's the point? Because not because he doesn't like you or doesn't love you, he's trying to prevent destruction. That's what a shepherd does. He's trying to prevent the destruction. So when God, the Bible says, whom the Lord loves, he corrects. But it says over in Proverbs, he who hates correction is stupid. So don't be stupid. When the Lord corrects, he's trying to keep us from drifting off. Falling off a cliff, falling over the the the, the uh, falls, the waterfall. You got it. All right. Now, thank you, Jesus. So, in verse three, we're talking about Jesus Christ Himself speaking. Word confirmed to us. Now, look at what it says here. It says, and I'm this part of all I'll be able to deal with tonight. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Now, remember it talked about in verse 2, those who disobey receive a just reward. So then how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Everybody say escape. escape. So then I understand then salvation, this great salvation is an escape. I know this is simple. This is, this is simple math. Y'all know A plus B plus C. Well, that's not simple math. Y'all know one plus one is two. Y'all know that stuff, right? Okay. But I want you to just look at the words. And this is all y'all who are teachers and preachers. I want you to learn to look at the word simply. You don't have to dig deep. I mean, it's good to, get, to dig deep and get revelation. But I need you to look at the word and write what it says here. Just by looking at it, I can see that salvation then is an escape. Any Bible students in here? Any, any teachers and preachers? But the Bible says by now we ought to all be teachers. Tell your neighbor, by now you ought to be teaching. Okay? So salvation is an escape. I'm going to say it again until everybody over here gets it. Salvation is an escape. Thank God for this gift. But this gift is, thank you, you beat me to it. This is, that's actually my paper. It's a great escape. Now, escape implies you were in danger. Escape implies you were in bondage. You were trapped. And he said, the only way that you and I escape is by salvation. Glory to God. This will resonate with people who really know that you weren't born perfect. Who know, okay, you had some, you had some things, you had some stuff. And I know everybody doesn't have the raggediest testimony, but we all have some something. 
something, even if it was just a little something, we thank God because that little something I couldn't stop myself. That's why the Bible still tells us to lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily besets us. So, so salvation, I got to see it. Glory to God. I got to see salvation, my salvation then, as my great escape. Okay? Now, I'm going to go through some scriptures here pretty quickly. But because I asked this question, escape from what? That's how you got to do when you're studying the word of God. Escape from what? So can we answer that question here with a few verses? And I want you to look at this, and then when you see this, hopefully by the time 9 o'clock hits, you have a greater appreciation for salvation. Maybe nobody really understands. Hopefully you have a greater appreciation for what Jesus Christ did on the cross so we can escape. Hopefully you'll remember, boy, boy, good God, thank you. If you hadn't come along, I would have still been trapped. <laughs> yeah, because we were trapped in sin. Let's be honest. We couldn't stop. We couldn't quit if we wanted to quit. Okay? So the great escape. So let's look at this verse here. Luke 21. Luke 21. Hallelujah. Uh, for the sake of time, I, I just, media, y'all help me. I won't turn to it. Luke 21, verse uh, 34 through 36. And I want us to read them together. Can we do that? Yes, Everybody awake? Yes. All right. Luke 21, verse 34. M make sure the young, the kids are reading this too now. Luke 21, verse 34 through 36. Ready? Read. But take heed to yourself, lest your heart be weighed down with... Everybody know what carousing is? That's all frolicking, hanging around, you know. Ah! Wait, so your heart can get weighed down with that. Can I use the word partying? Do you know you can, you can have a party? It's okay to have a party. But he said don't let your heart get weighed down with it. I mean, all of a sudden, you just everything you think about is a party. Carousing. I just want to have a good time. So he said don't, don't let your heart get weighed down with carousing. Keep going. Drunkenness, come on, and... What else? Cares of this life. And that day, come on, you unexpectedly. Well, y'all know what day he's talking about? The day of the Lord, right? The day of judgment. Okay, verse 35. For it will come, it what? That day will come as a what? On all those who dwell on the face of the earth. Verse 36, here it is. Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. So this means that when the Son of Man comes, not everybody will be worthy. That's why when the church I grew up in, we used to always say, Lord, I want to be found worthy when you come. Now, we didn't know growing up about righteousness, right standing with God, that righteousness makes us worthy. You understand that righteousness makes you worthy. But I don't, we always also say this song, don't let him catch you with your works undone. Don't let him catch you with your works undone. So in other words, I want to make sure, God, I'm not caught up with carousing, caught up with drunkenness, caught up with what are the other things in there about cares of this life, 
not caught up in that. Because wouldn't, wouldn't it be messed up? You in the club and, and you hear the trumpet sound? Somebody that's, that's not your spouse. All of a sudden, but oh, 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 God, oh, no. Tell your neighbor, don't be caught up, don't be caught up, don't be caught up. No, you want to walk worthy every day. You want to live right every day. You want to delight yourself in God. You want to get your pleasure out of serving God. You want to get your pleasure out of living for him every day. Because you want to be counted worthy, verse 36, to escape all these things. You go back and read in the other upper, upper part, previous part of chapter 21, and it lays out all these things going to happen. Boom, 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 boom. So salvation, then, is an escape from all these things. Y'all got that? Let's keep going here. Matthew 23, verse 33. Go back one book. Go back one book. Matthew 23, verse 33. Hallelujah. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and the scribes and so forth, the religious bunch. Right? Look at how he talks. Jesus ain't nothing nice about this mess. He says, serpents, brood of vipers. He says, how can you escape the what? So there's something called the condemnation of hell. We get to summarize it, summarize it and say hellfire. So the way to escape hellfire is not by your good works. And it won't happen by your good looks. The only way to escape hellfire is by salvation. How shall we escape Hellfire if we neglect so great a salvation. Say to anybody, I don't want to go to hell. Well, the way you stay out of hell is you got to get saved. I know people don't mention that in church today, but the way to stay out of hell, people in today are teaching that hell is not even real. In church, they're now teaching places that hell is not even real. That hell is a state of mind. Well, you got to explain that to Jesus. Please go back and correct Jesus, please, if you get a chance. Let him know that, hey, Jesus, that place you went down into, that wasn't real. That was just your imagination. Jesus, that, that place that you told us that Lazarus, uh, that, that the rich man woke up in, hell, well, he was on fire to my sins, somebody come cool my tongue with some water and stuff like that. Tell him, that was just your imagination, Jesus, that wasn't real. This is what they're teaching in the church. Evil men and imposters. Evil men and seducers. Deceiving and being deceived. Put this same verse up in the uh, easy to read version. Easy to read version. This is Jesus. This is Jesus talk. I like this. You are snakes. And are from a family of poisonous snakes. Jesus didn't play with them, did he? He says, you will not escape God. You will all be judged guilty and go to hell. Well, Jesus is saying you're going to hell. So how do I get out of that, pastor? I got to get saved. I got to be born again. 
Because when I get saved, my salvation is a great escape from hell. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Now, I don't know if any of y'all ever been in a, in, in, in a hot day or around a, a hot fire, and when fire is too hot, boy, oh, Lord, imagine living in that eternally. My daddy used to say, hell is too hot. Eternity is just too long. So I'm grateful that I've escaped hell. Y'all got to catch this. Y'all clap it, but watch this. In other words, I'm saying, God, if you don't do anything else for me. Y'all not saying, y'all not getting it. If you don't do anything else for me, I'm grateful that I've escaped hell. Y'all still ain't saying anything. If I don't get the big house or the fancy car, I'm grateful and I'll serve you the rest of my life just because I escaped hell. I mean, Joe, if my eyes never got healed, I would still serve God because I'd rather go to heaven blind then go to hell with 2020. Matter of fact, Jesus Christ said, it's better that you pluck your eyeballs out. <laughs> if they, your eyeballs offend you, your eyes offend you, better pluck them out. Don't nobody go pluck your eyeballs out. He said it's better for you to pluck your eyeballs out than to go to hell with both of your eyes. Go to hell both of your eyes. So thank God I escaped hell. Oh, thank God I escaped hell. Hell is not, my, not in my future. Hell is not for me. Hell is not in my children's future. Hell is not in my family's future. I've already, Jesus Christ already went there for me. Oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. He went there for me. He went there for me. Suffered all that torment, all that torture, so I don't have to go. All right, let's keep going. Let's keep, oh, Lord, it's 9 o'clock. Okay, let me see. Let me see let's, see. let's see. Romans 2, verse 1 to 3. Romans 2, 1 to 3. Watch this. We'll see another, another, another thing we escape from. Romans 2, 1 through 3. Hallelujah. It's on the screen. Can y'all read it with me? Ready? Read. Therefore, you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are who judge, for in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. Watch. For you who judge practice the same thing. So you can't judge folk and be doing the same thing back on the down low. Doing the same stuff on the, y'all know what the down low is, right? On, on the DL, on hiding it, you're secretive. That's, that's, what, that's what a hypocrite is. You can't judge and condemn others and here you are doing the same stuff. Hallelujah. Preaching against stuff and you doing it yourself. All right, verse 2. Keep going. Ready to go. But we know that the judgment of God is according to what? Truth against those who practice. Verse 3, here it is. And do you think this, O oh man, you who judge, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same, that you will escape. So here's another thing that you and I have escaped from through salvation is the judgment of God. And God is a righteous judge, and the Bible says as a righteous judge, he judges rightly. 
That means God cannot be influenced by, by anybody with a special little secret handshake. You know what I'm talking about, Deke? You can't stand on the square and influence God's judgment. That's all our old bases in the house. You can't, you can't influence God by the colors you wear, the certain color socks and how much money. You, you can't bribe God. God judges rightly. Because he judges rightly, if you are deserving of something, that's what you get. And he says, if you, is Paul talking to Christians here in Romans? So he's saying to the church at Rome, if you judge other folk, but you're doing the same thing, you think you're going to escape God's judgment? He's talking to church folk. So maybe you got to live right. But thank God for salvation that makes me able to live right. If I wasn't saved, I wouldn't be able to live right. So I would, I would escape this judgment. As a matter of fact, if we understand it, if we, if we have received God's righteousness, we have now been judged. You missed it. We have already been judged. I've been judged right in God's sight. Y'all see that? Okay, go to another place. First Thessalonians. Oh, hurry. First Thessalonians 5. I got three more to give you. First Thessalonians 5, 1 through 3. Y'all stop talking so much. Let's just read it. Ready? Y'all got it? Ready? Read. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. Keep going. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes. Come on. Verse 3. For when they say, then, as labor pains, and they shall not escape. They shall not escape what? Sudden destruction. So there's a sudden destruction that's coming on this earth. When they say peace and safety. Now, if you understand, if you know what's happening on the world stage, that's what the Antichrist will do. That's what world governments are trying to do now with this one world order, new world order, and this one world government that they're trying to put in place is to, to establish through, their, through themselves peace and safety. And he says, when they say, when they say peace and safety, sudden destruction is coming. But guess what? We've already escaped. They shall not escape. But you and I are saved. So we've escaped. Are y'all happy about this tonight? Second Timothy, hurry up. Second Timothy 2, 24 through 26. They got on the screen. Second Timothy 2, 24 through, 30, through, through 26. Three verses. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Ready? Read. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient. Come on. In humility. If God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know, verse 26, and that they may come to their senses, come on, and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him. Now, when you and I were, before we were born again, we were captive by Satan to do his will. We couldn't control ourselves, we were his slaves. But one day we came to our senses. How do we come to our senses? We got born again. Did you catch that? 
being born again brought us to our senses. And in doing so, we escaped, catch this, the snare of the devil. So you and I, because we're born again, we're, we're uh, saved from Satan's traps. No, y'all don't. Some of y'all forgot already. You were trapped in the closet. But you got to, oh, praise God. I better keep going. Second, Second Peter 1, 3 and 4. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. I'm going to give you just a couple more. This is it. 2 Peter 1, 3 through 4. I just want you to see everything and, and appreciate what you've escaped from so you appreciate your salvation. Back in the day, you, you signed up, you know, you became a member of a, of a bank. Back in the day, they'd give you something like a toaster or an iron or something like that, you know. It was a piece of junk. They don't even do that anymore. Now they charge you to hold your money. <laughs> All right, we'll hold it for you, but we're going to charge you for it. Okay, first, uh, Second Peter 1, uh, three, 3 and 4. Ready? Read. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by, uh-huh, by which have been given to us, come on, that through these, having escaped, having escaped, having, not we will, having. So you and I have escaped through salvation, corruption. Now when I say, when it says corruption, don't think corruption like tricking people and fraud. Corruption is what happened when Adam and Eve sinned. When Adam and Eve sinned, it brought corruption into the earth, meaning it caused them to begin to get sick and die. So sickness is a result of corruption. Death is a result of corruption. Poverty is a result of corruption. Y'all understand that? Oh, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let me take a slight detour. Can I, can I have two extra minutes? Romans chapter 8. Romans 8. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Verse um, 19. For the earnest ex expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the who? Sons of God. Why? For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Verse 21, because the creation itself also from the what? Bondage of what? Into. So creation is stuck in corruption. That's why we have weeds. Not weed, weeds. <laughs> Some of y'all got excited. Weeds. That's why grass turns brown. That's why animals die. It's, it's called corruption. It's decaying corruption. But notice it says that the earth is still in it, but they, it'll be delivered. It's waiting to be delivered into the glorious liberty of the children of God. So you and I are not in bondage to corruption. You and I already live in glorious liberty. 
Hallelujah. That's why you and I, he renews our youth as the eagles. We get stronger and stronger. Hallelujah. We get better looking as we age. Because we're not part of corruption. I don't know about you, but I'm getting better looking as I age. I'm watching y'all faces too. Okay. So, all right, let's finish up here. So, first, Second Peter 1, 3, and 4. Remember we just read, we've escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. When Adam and Eve lusted after that fruit, that brought corruption in the world. But we've escaped it. So salvation frees us to live and prosper and be strong and be healthy. Well, how did I get that? Because you exercise? No, that helps. It's because of your salvation. Did y'all catch that? All right, last place. I'll, I'll read one more. One more. Second Peter uh, two, verse seventeen through twenty-three. Second Peter two, seventeen through twenty-three. Whew. Boy, man, I appreciate my salvation. We used to sing a song, I'm so glad that the Lord saved me. I'm so glad that the Lord saved me. If it had not been for Jesus, where would I be? I'm so glad that the Lord saved me. Y'all remember that? 2 Peter 2, 17 to 23. Let's read it together. He's talking here about false teachers and false apostles, false prophets and so forth. And this, all right, so when it says these, this is who he's talking about. Ready? Read. These are wells without water, clouds carried by tempest. Tempest is a strong wind. For whom is reserved the of darkness forever. So false teachers, false prophets, false evangelists, false pastors, false all these people, he says, there's a blackness of darkness that's reserved for them forever. Ooh, it's not going to turn out good for them. Keep going. For when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through lewdness, want to actually escape from those who live in error. So notice it says these false teachers, they are trying to allure, trying to lure, trying to entice those who've already escaped from those who live in error. From this darkness. So you and I are the ones have, who have escaped already. So false teachers come along to try to pull us back. You see this. Let's keep going all the way to verse 23. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves. For by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought he is brought into bondage. For if after they have escaped, what else? The what? The so we've escaped also the pollutions of the world. We're clean through the word of God. We're made pure and holy. So we've already escaped. Now let's keep going and see what happens to those who've already escaped and mess around listen to these false people. He says, for if after they have escaped the pollution of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again, or if they are again entangled in them, 
entangled in what? The blues of the world. Their, the latter end is worse for them than the beginning. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you go back, it's going to be worse than it was before. So don't go back. Let's keep reading and see what he says. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. Keep going. But it has happened to them, according to the true proverb, a dog and a sow having washed to her wallowing in mire. Thank you, Lord. So don't go back. Why would you go back if you already escaped? Have you ever read a story or seen a sort of news of a prisoner who escapes prison and goes back? Could you imagine if back in the days of Harriet Tubman when they had the Underground Railroad that slaves escaped to New York or to Canada and then went back? You ever heard of anybody do that? No. Not when you escape. When you escape and realize I'm out, I ain't going back to that mess. So when you're walking with God, you realize through salvation I've escaped. I'm not going back. I'm not going to be bound again to corruption, to lust, to pollution, to snares of the devil, the traps of the enemy, to the judgment of God, to hellfire. I've been rescued. I've been delivered. I've escaped. How many escapees do I have in here tonight? Come on, all our escapees, stand on your feet tonight and give God a praise. I'm an escapee. Man, how'd you break out? Jesus brought me out. Jesus brought me out. He brought me out all right. Jesus did it. I couldn't get out. Hallelujah. Peter was locked in prison one night. Angel came and brought him out and let him escape. Peter didn't go back to the prison. Oh, you didn't say, you know. But, you know, people who get institutionalized, they'll try to go back. This is all they know. No, I'm glad I'm free. I'm glad I'm free. I'm not going back to where I came from. Amen. Is that your, your witness tonight, not going back to where you came from? Amen. Praise God. Did y'all receive that tonight? Thank God for a great escape. Great escape. Hallelujah. How should we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Amen. Father, thank you tonight for the word we've received. Thank you for each person who's gathered here to hear the word. I pray that God, what has been said, resonates, Lord, not only in our minds, but let it get down into the soul of our hearts. That God, every person in this room, and all those who are watching online now and later in the future, will really grasp the value of our salvation. That this salvation that's, that was without cost to us was, Lord, it cost you everything. Father God, it cost you everything to give Jesus Christ your son to die for us. And we don't ever want to diminish the value 
of our salvation. We're thanking you because you came along in the nick of time and saved us and delivered us. You delivered us from the snare of the fowler, from the devil's traps. And now that we are free, we have no mind to go back where we came from. We have well-made up minds to serve the Lord, to go with Jesus Christ all the way. So, Lord, continue to lead us and guide us and help us every day in our appreciation to grow and mature and develop into the kind of saints that you've called us to be, that we can be beacon lights in this dark world and even beacon lights among other believers who may be drifting, other believers who may be kind of wandering off, other believers who may be drawing back, that we can be beacon lights and we can grab hold of them and throw that lifeline and help save them from drifting away. We pray, Father, that as we grow more and more in you, you will use us for your will and glory to bring other people who are trapped out of darkness and into your marvelous light. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you. Come on, give God a big hand of praise tonight. Hallelujah. We're getting ready to go. Listen, I want to remind you that this coming Friday we have our corporate fast. Amen.